Hi, this is Keith, and welcome to Klezmer Podcast 112 for April 26, 2014. The website is klezmerpodcast.com, and you can write to me at keith at klezmerpodcast.com. I also invite you to follow Klezmer Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, Last.fm, and Pinterest. Also look for my Klezmer Podcast monthly playlist on Spotify. My guest on this episode of the podcast is Judith Cohen, an ethnomusicologist from Canada specializing in Sephardic music, uh, specifically uh, Judeo-Spanish or as we call Ladino. Judith was recently in uh, Los Angeles where I caught up with her during her visit. And uh, we'll listen to her interview now. This was recorded on February 17th, 2014. This is Keith with Klezmer Podcast, and we're actually in Los Angeles vicinity today, visiting with Judith Cohen from Canada, uh, here for some Sephardic activities. Uh, Judith, welcome to Los Angeles. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Keith. So um, explain to us uh, why you're in Los Angeles and how that uh, carries on with your major work uh, that you're normally involved with. Well, first of all, I'm not really sure what is the major work that I'm normally involved with. But the event that brought me down is at UCAL Riverside, and it's not a Sephardic event. It's Well, it is sort of. It's a colloquium on medieval Iberian music in the three main religions of my medieval Iberia, among the Muslims, Jews, and Christians. And because Sephardic music is so often presented or mispresented as medieval, and I'm using big, thick quotation marks around medieval, they asked me to basically explain why Sephardic music isn't medieval, so my role in this medieval colloquium is to explain why what I do isn't medieval. But I'm also a medievalist. Before I did my doctorate in ethnomusicology and Sephardic studies, I actually did a master's in medieval studies. So I do have a general... So you know what's medieval and what's not medieval? I try. I try. I mean, these days, now that as soon as the Middle Ages is over and no one is really sure what that is, everybody says early modern instead of Renaissance. I don't really know what's what anymore, but I try. But I'll be focusing on Sephardic narrative ballads, and I say narrative ballads not to confuse them with the idea of the sort of popular love song that people call a ballad, but the old narrative ballads, because in many cases their words do go back to the Middle Ages or early Renaissance, to around the time of the expulsion, but the tunes don't. So I'll be presenting those and talking about the ballads and singing some of them and showing how they move around different places and keep the same story in different ways. Uh, and so how did you get interested in, in that subject area? Sort of backwards. I, tra- I was a folk singer anyway, and I finished my bachelor's in English, honors English, and I saved up, I don't know, $100 or $150. is a long time ago. And I bought a one-way ticket to Europe, and I hitchhiked around Europe for a year. And I ended up in Spain for a few months, largely because it was cold. And the alternative was staying somewhere else and buying a winter coat. And this is still under Franco. So I lived in a small village, and I learned Spanish and Catalan and about Spain. And then 
Everybody was arrested in my village because they were speaking Catalan in the schools and it was still under Franco. So I took the boat to Turkey for about the equivalent of maybe $40 on a student ticket, although I wasn't a student anymore. And I got to Turkey and was hanging out in the Istanbul Bazaar and somebody took one look at my profile and called out Shalom. And I didn't know anything about history or Sephardic anything and I said, Shalom? Like, what do you mean Shalom? Who are you? And he said, well, aren't you Jewish? And I said, well, what does that have to do with being in Turkey? And that's how I learned about Turkish Sephardim. And eventually, I went home and I did a master's in medieval music on women musicians in the three religions of medieval Spain, partly because I had a women's medieval ensemble and people keep asking, kept asking if women performed in the Middle Ages, so I wrote a thesis about it. And then I kind of added everything up. I said, well, you know, I'm Jewish and I know Spain and I know Morocco and I know Turkey and the Balkans. Did a lot of Balkan music and dancing. And uh, I know medieval things and what isn't medieval, and maybe I should work on Sephardic music. And at the same time, I met the great Samuel Armistead, who passed away last September, who lived here in California. He taught at Davis, UC Davis. But at the time, he was in Philadelphia, and I met him, and he said, Well, why don't you go into Sephardic musicology? We need you. So that came around around the same time, and basically that's how. Sorry. So we need more Sephardic musicologists. We probably still do. Probably still do. So short question, long answer. <laughs> and I am doing two things here related specifically to my work with Sephardic music. One is tomorrow at UCLA in the music department, and one is Wednesday at UCLA with the Spanish UC Ladino group. So I'll be giving them kind of whatever you want to call it, lecture recitals or lecture demonstrations about my work with Sephardic. Sephardic music, but also with music in the lives of the hidden Jews of Portugal. So uh, the repertoire is not solely in Ladino language then? Which repertoire? Uh the music of the Iberian Peninsula. Ah. Well, the Sephardic songs are that I sing, in any case, are mostly in one form or another of Judeo-Spanish, very often mixed either with Hebrew or with a local language, with bits of Turkish or Greek or Moroccan Arabic. And the crypto-Jews or hidden Jews of Portugal really only sing in Portuguese, except when they've learned new songs, you know, very, very recently from Israel or Spain or something. Or Shlomo Karlbeck. They Actually, a lot of the people who, the crypto-Jews who live in the cities, who live in Lisbon and, and Oporto and have a small community, often use tunes from Shlomo Karlbeck because they like them. And they don't feel any particular attachment to Sephardic culture. But yes, for the most part, I sing in Judeo-Spanish of one sort or another, and including Ladino and Portuguese. And Spanish and Bulgarian and Yiddish and things. Oh, there's Yiddish involved. Well, not not this week, probably. But I actually... Because is, is there Yiddish-speaking Sephardim out there? Well, they probably are in New York City, especially. But there's also Yiddish-speaking French-Canadian bus drivers from back in the day. But there, because I do a lot of comparative balladry, I'm always looking for parallels. So there are narrative ballads or even love songs and other songs which have parallels in all kinds of European traditions and also occasionally in Yiddish. But sometimes I sing in Yiddish because my grandparents spoke it and I like it. And I don't study it. I'm not a Yiddish scholar, so it's kind of relaxing to sing in it. So is there some new material being composed? Or are you composing new stuff yourself? Or uh, is it strictly research of... of uh, 
older older songs? Well, as an ethnomusicologist, I sort of have two ways of answering that question. So as an ethnomusicologist, I look very solemn and I say, anything stagnant is dead. And if things do not advance, you know, they just crumble away. And there are, in fact, new songs in Judeo-Spanish, all kinds of new songs. Um, some are composed by Sephardic people, you, uh, some are not. And there's a Ladino, Festi Ladino, it's called, every year in Israel. Which is which gives a prize, you know, to new newly composed songs in Ladino, Judeo-Spanish. Personally, I'm not interested in new songs unless they are so absolutely wonderful and fantastic that it doesn't matter how old they are. I'm really interested in tradition, not just for Sephardic music in general. My all my musical work, um, but as an ethnomusicologist, sure, it's all interesting, and you know, and there are new songs. So you're not writing stuff yourself, then? I'm not a composer. Okay. I've composed, <laughs> I think I've that. composed two or three songs in my entire life, and I don't sing them. One was for a birthday present for a friend, and it was 30 years ago. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's talk about a little bit about your actual performing, then, and what what you've done, if what recordings you've had, or whatever. I have... How many recordings? I have several recordings from Spain... Which are sort of mixtures. They're based. Uh, two of them are based on. Three of them are based on Sephardic culture, but Sephardim and their neighbors. So there's Balkan songs, there's French Canadian songs, there's medieval songs, and so on. And they're all with my daughter, I think. The very first one, she was only five, and she only sang a little bit here and there. But the other, she was a full, full companion, full musical companion. And one is on medieval music. One of the Spanish ones is all medieval. <laughs> And two of them are with Eduardo Paniagua, who's very well known in the early music and uh, sometimes Sephardic and even to some extent Klezmer scene. And then I also have one CD that was done with uh, Radio Canada, with CBC Canadian Radio, when my daughter was only eight. And that was called um, Songs of Meetings and Travels. So a lot of them were Sephardic, but others were from different cultures, and they were all about On My Way I Met. And then I have three recordings with the Moroccan Sephardic group Gerineldo, which the first recording was all Moroccan Sephardic, and the other two had a bit of Turkish and Greek Sephardic as well. And we had a 20-year lapse, and after 20 years, we are now doing a concert in Paris next month. So the performing I do is based, a lot of it is Sephardic, a lot of it is Portuguese, since I started fieldwork with the crypto-Jews about 20 years ago. Not their songs specifically, but just Portuguese village songs. Medieval music, which I often do in a very folk kind of style. Balkan music and dance. Uh, my daughter is, not only does she sing with me, and she has done all her life, she's also a professional flamenco singer. And I do a lot of Ballads, so comparative balladry, following ballads around different cultures, but singing them and telling their stories. Wow, that's pretty vast uh, range of stuff you've, you've uh, been able to produce. So, if people want to find out more about you or find your recordings to buy or download the tracks or whatever, uh, how can they find you best? Well, I actually don't have a clue what they do about my recordings. I mean, I know that the ones in Spain are sold at the cute little Spanish-Jewish tourist centers. But in terms of online, I actually I actually don't even know. I, I know, I'm not very good about that. Marketing is not my strong point. 
But to find me is very easy. You go to Google and you say Judith Cohen Sephardic music and people find me all the time. I get all kinds of requests like, I have to write a term paper about Jewish music. Can you tell me what to say? <laughs> From which I deduce that I'm easy to find. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you for taking a few minutes out of your busy schedule in Los Angeles <laughs> to, to come and find me. And uh, hope you have a enjoyable uh, colloquium and the next uh, one or two that you're that you're headed out for as well. And uh, pleasure to meet you. It was great meeting you, Keith. Thanks for checking me out and coming to find me. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Soy Gastón y Johnny de Tiembla el Móvil desde Argentina y nosotros escuchamos klesmerpodcast.com. Okay, that was my interview with Judith Cohen, ethnomusicologist from Canada. And we heard the track Esther Mi Bien from her album Canciones de Sefarad. I'd like to thank Judith for taking the time out of her very busy Los Angeles schedule to visit with me and for providing the track for us to listen to. Again, the website is klezmerpodcast.com, and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, 
Or if you have a band that would like to appear on the podcast or have your music played, or if you have a recent or soon-to-be-released album you'd like me to review, please write to me at keith at klesmerpodcast.com. The music heard on Klesmer Podcast is for promotional purposes only and is used with permission. So that's about it for Klesmer Podcast 112. Thanks for listening. Please stay subscribed. Tell your friends. And until next time, bye for now.